Hey there, welcome to episode 65 of How I Got Hired. Now listen, what is that standout, defining moment that supercharged your career and helped you to move towards your current success? If you've been following this podcast, even a little bit, you know this is the question I end every single conversation with a guest. So I thought, why not do a little compilation of a few of my earlier episodes from 2020 And here what I've done is I'm speaking with seven different guests from around the world and they simply answer this question with their own perspective, with their own lens that I think will be very rich for you to listen to. The guests are fabulous. Well, I think every single guest of mine is fabulous. I really, really think so. There is no bias here. (laughs) But these are fantastic people from a myriad of backgrounds, genders, ethnicities, nationalities, geographies, you know, entrepreneur, employee, all of that. So I'm going to let you get through it. There are seven of them in total. Marilene Zakhaur is the first one. And we talk about her entire career till date. And we particularly end with where she was CMO at Amar, which is a huge uh, real estate company in the Middle East. David Wee is the second one, and we talk about his career, particularly at GE and Johnson & Johnson and other places. Sarah Johnston, uh, we talk about her recruiting career in the United States before she went into business for herself. Kolarelli Shunaike is one of the top barristers in the UK. Steve Wollenhouse is the CEO of Weatherology app. We have Vikas Pota, who is the founder and CEO of T4 Education and one of the leading voices in the world on education and the future of education. And finally, Greg Brenner, who is the Assistant Vice President for HR at the University of Miami. This episode is rich with lessons that I'm sure will resonate with so many of you. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. And each guest is answering the question, what is that one standout defining moment that supercharged your career and helped you to move towards your current success? Enjoy. Yes, I think the first contract I sold. Because up until you have to sell something, you don't really become a general manager. Because when you do have to sell something, you have to think of what your customer needs. You have to think of the pricing. You have to think of the profitability. You have to think of the effort needed. Like you have to think, you have to have a sort of a PNL approach in your brain, no matter how small the thing that you're selling is. Um, and I know that a lot of uh, CEOs started in the sales functions of their companies. And I, and I think there's a good reason for that. But really, like the first time you sell something, you're like, okay, I can create something out of nothing. Because that's what you do when you, especially because I was in the B2B space. So I wasn't selling a product. Like I wasn't selling a toothbrush. I was selling services. And so services are nothing until someone wants to pay for them. Yeah. Um, and that moment is, is, is defining because it, it really allows you to see that you can create. And I think that would have been my defining. I love moment. that. I love that. And, and when somebody decides to buy from you, there's instant validation right there. No need, no, no due diligence, nothing needed. It works. Yeah. Do it again and do more of it. <laughs> okay, here's the first line, right? The day I won uh, first place for my history exam in school. And, and let me explain why this is special. You know, when I was in school, I never cared for most of my teachers, but there was an exception, uh, Mr. Lee, uh, my history teacher. 
Uh, he was the only teacher who believed in me, believed I could do it. And you know, his belief transformed me. It, it gave me the confidence to know that I can. He made me believe in me. And that's how I won the first place in the history exam. And when you have self-belief, it begets success. Yeah. And it builds momentum for more success. And so I got better. And to everyone's surprise, I got into university. I'm the first one in the family to get into the university. I still remember you know, uh, bumping into one of my uh, school teachers um, just after I got my results and found out that I was going to university. And the teacher asked me, hey, David, what are you doing? Uh, I said, I'm going to study. Oh, you're repeating your exams. Did not expect me to be in the university. Oh my! And, and that's, that's fine, you know? Yeah. So in the 80s, if you get into university, that's a big career accelerator. Yeah. But Mr. Lee's greatest gift wasn't helping me pass the exam only. His greatest gift was making me want to be more like him, more like a teacher. Yeah. So the job of helping someone do something they thought was impossible, that's what teachers do. Yeah. Or the greatest ones yeah, I, I love that. My gosh, that gives me goosebumps. You've been working for so many years. And the biggest moment you're talking about, you're giving credit to a teacher back in school who believed in you during the moments that you probably didn't believe in yourself. And he helped you to be better. And from there, you're saying it just sort of, you know, supercharged college yeah. happened and, and exactly. nobody, went, nobody went to college. Nobody expected David to go to college. Here he is in college. Ooh, GE. Ooh, uh, Johnson & Johnson. Ooh, living all over the world. Starts out with this one person who believed in you. And, and that's... Um, Unbelievable, that's, right? That's fabulous. It's fabulous. I love that. Uh, so big shout out to Mr. Lee and all the Mr. Lees of the world and Miss Lees of the world. So this is a great question. When I was on maternity leave with my second child, mm -hmm. my second daughter, it really motivated me to go into business for myself. There's nothing more motivating than being tired, exhausted, <laughs> um, giving all of your money basically to childcare <laughs> and feeling like you're underappreciated despite the fact that you're overperforming. And so it was that defining moment as a mm. pissed off, tired new mom mm. that I realized that I, I could do better for myself if I were in business for myself. And to be quite honest, the bar was really low because I it was so, it's so costly in the United States to yeah. send your kids to childcare. Yeah. I was paying $143 a day and that doesn't factor in you know, the clothes that I would wear to work, my travel to and from work, sick mm -hmm. days, if I had to get a babysitter for me to go to evening things at, at night. Working in the United States is so expensive. And so with that being my bar, knowing that this is what I was paying just to go to an office job, it was a no-brainer for me to start my business. And once I got comfortable with the potential of failing it was really freeing for me. And I feel like I'm in my sweet spot right now. And it's fun because people that I knew back in college or, you know, several moves ago, I've, I've gotten some emails from them recently because they've watched videos of mine 
And they're all like, Sarah, I cannot believe you found a way to make money doing what you love. And what I love is connecting people and helping people. And it, I'm just having so much fun doing it. Love that. I love the story that you shared right now. And I know I said that was my last question, but I, maybe I'm cheating. <laughs> I, I have a quick follow up here because I, I totally agree with you, uh, uh, Sarah, because there's some countries in Europe as well where uh, childcare is ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. And it's sort of understood um, that one of the two, which ends up usually ends up being the mom, uh, takes a little bit of time off. Um, so you know, remember when you said that you bought the domain name for the briefcase coach, but you sat on it for a little while uh, because of the fear element. And we all know this fear is very, very real. So how did you get over that? And, and maybe how did you get over yourself, you know, to put yourself out there and say, this is it, I'm starting. So was it this particular um, with, with, the, with the childcare situation or, 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 you know, because that's from the bottom, it was pushing you. And um, the other side, which is more confidence, et cetera, because I know a lot of uh, early stage small business owners uh, think about that a lot. It was the, what are my other options that mm -hmm. led me to this? And mm -hmm. as I was evaluating what potential next opportunities, next steps I had, they all involved me working a job, sending my kids to daycare and paying a lot to do that. And I, I wanted a, a home-based business where I had a more flexible calendar. I knew that I didn't want to sell a multi-level marketing product. And I just, you know, that's a great question, but it just was that, that desperation for wanting to do something, mm -hmm. not wanting to fully give up my career, feeling like I could help people and make a difference. And then just deciding to go all in and bet on myself. And once I got comfortable with that, you know, the, the rest was, the rest was history. Yeah, I would say there was one in particular that happened in the legal field, but actually had a major impact both on my law and my kind of communication skills work which is um, I was representing a client uh, in a case where I was against a QC. So QC is kind of like, you know, the, 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 the highest level of barrister you can get kind of represents that, oh, yeah, you are great at what you do as a barrister. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was my first time against the QC. Uh, I was kind of a young barrister at that stage. So it was quite a big deal. I was nervous, but, you know, I'm kind of confident guy generally. So I was like, yeah, I can do this. And the way they teach you, um, kind of advocacy and how to be, how to present as a barrister is very stiff. It's very formal, you know, you very austere, very kind of just stiff, basically. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I was doing. That's the way I'd been doing it up until that time. And that's what I expected from this QC. But from the first moment I met him, even before court, he was a really chatty guy, really nice, very conversational, very easygoing. So I thought, okay, yeah, fine. But then he went into court and just did exactly the same thing. It was almost like he hadn't stopped change from how he was chatting to me. He was chatting to the judge in exactly the same way. Very conversational, very like full of character and personality, not stiff or austere mm -hmm. and formal. And 
as I listened, I just noticed that he was just wiping the floor with me in terms of the arguments. He was taking all of my best points that I thought, yeah, we're going to win on this point. And he was just turning them around at me and just hitting me and smacking them inside the head with them, basically. Just destroyed my entire argument. We lost the case. I mean, okay, look, it was a hard case to win, to be honest. I told the client we probably wouldn't, but still, you know, you go in with hope. Yeah, yeah. And he did it. But in that same conversational style and then he sat down I'm like over to you kid and you know (laughs) I'm like all right okay I did my best but you know we lost the case but from that moment I remember just thinking that's the way I want to communicate that's the way I want to present no more of this formal stiff stuff I'm gonna be myself I'm gonna let my character show through my personality be part of the way I communicate and literally from that moment it was night and day in terms of how confident I felt as a barrister, how confident I felt as a communicator, uh, and how effective my my um, presenting, my kind of court appearances were. And I've taken that right through to my coaching, how I coach. So all of my clients, you'll always hear me tell them this, like, yeah, no, I want you to show it shine through. Your personality is what's going to connect with people. My Don't try wow. and be anybody else. So, yeah, that was that was the moment for me. Yeah. Oh, goodness. This is uh, unbelievable. This is such a great lesson for all of us. And it's the oldest, most underrated piece of advice that people have been saying since time immemorial. Always be you. Do you be you. No matter what you're told that you need to do this to be successful, but you don't really... You know, like you said, austere, uh, serious. And I'm thinking when you combine all that with the British uh, stiff upper lip, I'm thinking <laughs> yes. it's really cut and dry, right? Yeah. And then you much. bring your cola awesomeness, inner, you know, uh, personality, your color in a very black and white world. And they want you and they want more of you. And then your business is doing well. So if that isn't the proof we need to be ourselves, I don't know what is. Well, I mean, there's been several pivotal moments throughout my career that just constantly energize. And I'm one of those per- people that kind of just manufacture uh, adrenaline and mm. motivation and inspiration, which is why, why I tell people learn how to do that so that you don't have to rely on outside uh, sources for inspiration mm. and motivation. And because of that, I've always been just highly inspired and motivated. In fact, I have friends that have played professional athletics that say, I don't know where you get this energy that you have and this motivation, but I sure could have used it during my career because I just hated practice or whatever. So I'll just answer that question briefly. I think it was that pivotal moment when I was 21, you know, working in a major market TV. At that point in time, I had thought that that was my career path, that I was going to be the next, you know, uh, main anchor in that market, maybe at that station or go to another station where I would be the main anchor in that top 20 market and kind of own the market and, and, and be a legendary television weather anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when that news was delivered in the horrible way it was delivered, mm-hmm. um, it just kind of reversed everything. And it just, it instantly inspired my ambitions to go off on my own And I knew I had the drive and the determination and the experience after just a short time with Paul and, you know, developing the confidence of selling and and seeing the fruits of my efforts there. I just said, I'm all in. I'm doing this. Nobody's ever going to ever, ever again in my life have control over my destiny. Decide for me how much I'm going to make. Decide for me how much 
uh, free time I get during the day, I'm going to coordinate a life around my desire to exercise every single day. And I've done that religiously for 36 years. I'm going to attend every one of my kids' sporting events and and concerts and functions. And I have my kids are older now in college and one's off on his own getting married. Um, and so, so it's just, uh, and to see these remarkable young people grow up like they have, and know, I made the right decision to be a critical part of their life. And so I just, uh, that was it. That was the, the time at 21 when I said, I'm all in, I started this company. I've never looked back and I still have that fire in my belly today. I can't even explain it. I love this mm. stuff. I live, eat, breathe it. And I get out of bed 3.30 a.m. No question every day without an alarm. And I jump out of bed. I can't wait. I'm ready to go. And I have to fight um, the urge to go to bed at 10.30. So I still only get like five and a half, six hours of sleep a night. And people think I'm insane, but, but I works. live with urgency. Yeah, and that works for you. It works for you. Uh, everyone's <laughs> works different. For me. Yeah, that's right. No, I, I love it. Um, I love that you said that. So, manufacturing adrenaline. I've never heard those two words together in the same <laughs> sentence. Yeah, I mean, um, if you remember, I um, I spoke about. Um, how I went from HSBC to work for uh, to work for a telecoms business, and mm. what happened? Uh, and I was holding this story back from when when you asked me the question earlier. <laughs> what what happened after that was um, as much as telecoms needed people to enter it, uh, it, there also came a point where it started going through a, rec a recession of its own, and this so there were mass redundancies around the corner. And at that point, actually, one of the things, that, the luckiest thing that ever happened to me was someone thought of me and they said, look, we're, we're, we have a jo job opening and uh, we think you'd be an ideal candidate. Um, and, but it was half the salary. Mm. It was, however, more responsibility. And I, I rolled the dice and mm. I went for it and it probably made my career. And so because of the things I learned in that role, and from there, I've never looked backwards. So I think the, the, the lesson I'm trying to say to you is, is don't fear um, stepping out of your comfort zone, you know, because very, very exciting things can happen to you. Uh, what's the worst? The worst is you go get another job that's probably higher paid. Yeah, the worst is you stay exactly where you are, um, which is not which is not so scary after all. And and I love what you just shared that that juicy little example. Thank you for holding out on us. <laughs> um, the, the the really interesting thing is that sometimes what we perceive as one step back, two steps forward, the step back is not necessarily even back. Uh, it's it's exactly how. The value is perceived. So, um, and and obviously, you know, great things have happened since. So you roll the dice, it worked out. But you know, you put yourself out there. You had a network. You asked. You have a personal brand. You know, invested all of that stuff in in time. People don't just think of you if you are not reaching out to your network. So you know, extremely important stuff. Wow, it's a it's so difficult when you look back and, and see the different steps or missteps that you make. And and when you when I think about that question, I always come back to the people that are around me. Um, I can tell you, career wise, that person that brought me back for that second interview, is, uh, Marcia Beckford mm. at the University of Miami, mm. uh, was a difference maker in my career because. Mm. 
Mm. You know, she believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I had the baggage of, and I never verbalized it. I, I had the baggage of the bankruptcy. I had the mm. baggage in that in my head. And I was just going through the motions uh, for a little bit because I was just trying to pay my bills. Um, but she saw something in me, which I knew I had, but I just, it was so suppressed. So, you know, meeting the right people, mm. having a strong mentor, um, really just made a difference to me and it's made a difference to me in every single step of my career. Um, so I guess it's, it's really the, the two to three to four people that were key in my career that just made a, a, a just a, a wonderful difference in my life. Um, and then it's the larger group, the larger network around that I've had the opportunity to work with that continues to push me. My, my, my tribe that I work for today, um, I can't do any of this, any of the success that we've had at the University of Miami is because of them, um, you know, because they're, they're professionals, they're hardworking, they're dedicated, and you get that back 20 times, you know, and, and again, it's just, uh, just been fortunate in that manner, but find yourself a wonderful mentor, find yourself, don't go work for somebody, look, I know if you need to get a job to get a job to pay your bills, I get it. Go, go do what you need to do. Don't be one of those people. Oh, wow. You make sure it's right. You don't know. You have to pay the bills or you got to try to get the groceries. You got to do what you got to do. So do what you have to do, but don't live with it so long. Immediately. If you're in a bad situation, but you're paying your bills immediately continue working, looking for work, Mm. unless you can, unless you think you can change that environment and do something meaningful there. All right. But immediately, don't subject yourself to years of of yeah. emptiness just to pay the bills. Yeah, I love that. I, I read that somewhere. Don't exactly don't be unhappy and stuck where you are. You are not a tree. <laughs> I love it. You can move. You can move. I love it. You're you got not legs. A tree. You, you got legs. Uh, I love that. And you know, one of the things I mean, I love lots of things about your story, Greg. But one of the things I love is. When you went out there and you took out, you know, you took a day off um, and you went to these 10 interviews, every single interview, you had to start from scratch and you gave it your best, lots of energy. And then you were told you got rejected, but they loved you so much, you know? Okay. I get it. Somebody else is better. They got the job. Somebody was more suitable. They got the job. No problem. Mm -hmm. But the, the, I could be wrong here, Greg, but it seems like they they liked you and your personality so much that they went and created a job for you, the OD one, or what? Or did it already exist? Yeah, it, it, they were they were gonna rehire it. It existed, but it it was in its infancy. The person worked there just for like a I don't know, mm. say two three months or something like that. It was a new role, mm. um, and they were thinking of shifting the role, maybe not doing doing something different with it, and and not doing the OD stuff. And then, you know, they ended up keeping it open because of because after our conversation and then, um, and then that was it. it was history. Yeah, no, I, I love that because the lady, she came back to you pretty quickly, but you know, it could be that for someone who's listening, they've had 10 rounds of interviews, they got rejected and nothing happens for a few months. And then somebody comes back saying, Hey, we yeah. remember you. And are you still interested? And like, Oh, right. so you know, you yeah. never know. So you end yeah. it well, that's mm-hmm. it. And, and taking that opportunity to meet those people, you know, and so I think that becomes really, really important because you don't know where that network's going to be. You don't know where you're going to hit off with somebody. 
um, at any moment. And you get the opportunity to share your story with people. And, and at the end of the day, you'll connect with the right people. And, and if, if it's, if it's a no, it doesn't mean it's never, it just means a no right now. And then go exactly. on to your next one. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I hope this was useful to you. And if it was, what I'd love for you to do is tell three friends of yours to subscribe and listen to the podcast. I especially make this week on week to help people just like you to be the best at their career and be supercharged. So fabulous. I shall be with you next week with another fabulous new guest. Till then, take care of yourself and bye for now.